0: Tennessee. Tennessee, 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 Tennessee. Lord, i really been real stressed. I'm Justin Canu, one of the co founders of the Tennessee Holler. I'm excited to speak today with Charisse Scott at the abortion ban Senate hearing. During her testimony, she was the only one to be cut off, despite some ridiculous characters saying some wild stuff like remembering being born and whatnot. Charisse was the only one to get cut off. So, talk to her about that. We're also going to talk to her about the aftermath of her testimony in which it seems Senator Kerry Roberts was extremely triggered and has called for the abolition of higher education in Tennessee, which he now says with his a but I don't believe that it was a joke, and he's not the only one to say it, we've come to find out. So make sure you subscribe on iTunes to the Tennessee Holler Podcast. Go subscribe to our emails. We send out almost daily emails with a rundown of what's going on here in Tennessee and the fire hose of shenanigans that are constantly happening around here. We are an independent news site that's on your small dollar monthly donations. So those are really helpful. How are you? I'm good. How are you? You are making waves around here these days.
1: <laughs> looks like, huh?
0: <laughs> well, that's fantastic. It's really nice to meet you. You and I don't know each other, but uh, I'm a fan ever since your mm-hmm. testimony at the TN abortion ban hearings in the Senate. Uh, you were on fire. What you said was truthful and fantastic. And at the end of this thing, I'd love to give you an opportunity to read what you were planning to say uninterrupted if you'll, if you'll do it. That'd be awesome. I would appreciate being able to do that. Okay, awesome. So what I'd love to do first is walk through kind of how you came to be sitting there that day and uh, and what was going on in your mind. So can you just tell us briefly what your backstory is and, and you know mm-hmm. what you do?
1: Sure. So I am the CEO and founder of Sister Reach, and we are the first reproductive justice organization in the state of Tennessee. Uh, We work from a three-pronged strategy of education, policy and advocacy, and culture change work. Um, I was invited by colleagues through Planned Parenthood and um, to participate in the hearings for the uh, for the judiciary hearing. Um, and uh, I was asked to you know make sure that we gave an outline of what our talking points would be so though I didn't go in depth about everything that I was going to say during the hearing. I did um, send over an outline of what I would be discussing. You know, by the time I got to calling out the ways that white supremacy has impacted Tennesseans across race, class, gender, and socioeconomic status, along with also lifting up the hypocrisy in ways in which I've seen uh, the Tennessee state legislature, especially those who identify as uh, evangelical Christian, use biblical scripture in order to manipulate and harm people, it's just been more than I can stomach to be quite honest. And so I wanted to use my testimony as an opportunity to call in the Tennessee State Legislature and really to invite them to work with folks like Sister Reach, Planned Parenthood, Choices, Knoxville Center for Reproductive Health. There are organizations that have been working across the state to remedy the wrongs of the Tennessee State Legislature, especially around issues like abstinence-based education and HIV criminalization. Um, those types of issues. Instead of really being a bit more public health centered and led, uh, the, things are being handled uh, by folks' moral understandings and interpretations of, of how they want to control and manipulate and harm folks. And so I, I, I just couldn't take any more of that and I had to push back. So, so I well, well, utilized you
0: know, Let me ask you this. You know, did they give you any know. parameters for what you could and could not say during your testimony? Was there some sort of Guideline given out about their. Yeah.
1: Not necessarily. I was told, though, that the legislature was not interested, excuse me, that the committee uh, wasn't necessarily interested in hearing people's personal stories. However, there's no way for me to separate my own personal story from me doing the work that I do. I came to this work as a woman who needed a safe and legal abortion, and I was misled by a crisis pregnancy center that was posing as an abortion clinic 17 years ago um 17 years later that baby is almost grown and he is um flourishing as best he can but that's not without uh barriers that's not without the impact of what i knew he would have to navigate as a child uh, not necessarily having access to his father which is really the reason that i was there right and him having uh to um to ha- him deserving to have a two-parent household if that's something that I could make possible for him uh and and unfortunately that's not the reality but I think even more what's even more important is that it was the lie it was the manipulation it was the misleading me and making me believe that they were offering a service that they were not and then me you know not I wasn't well versed in reproductive health rights or justice back then I didn't have any of, of the understanding or the theory behind the framework back then I was just a woman Who needed to have an abortion, and I was being lied to, and I was told that if I got got an abortion, that I wouldn't be able to have any more children, and so I chose to go ahead and have the baby. But they've not been anywhere to to make sure that my baby and I thrive, um, that we have any type of social supports, you know, right. And the April after I had him, I lost my job and and I went through a continuous cycle of temp jobs and gigging and doing all types of things to be able to uh, to take care of him. And so um, so, no, there were no parameters, but there was no way that I was going to be able to to do the work that I was supposed to do. There wasn't an opportunity. They didn't want to hear personal experiences. And I think that that's something that we need to be thinking about. I think it's important to lift up that though Black women have been the poster child, if you will, at least for the last 10 or so years, for the anti-abortion movements campaign. is supposedly our babies that they're supposed to be saving. Our wounds that are supposed to be this dangerous place. Our parenthood that is constantly put on the chopping block, if you will, or is being judged because we may or may not have a husband. We might be a teen mother and we may have multiple fathers or something like that. We have been the trope, whether we're being called a welfare queen, being made the face of, of the opioid campaign, just being demonized for the children that we that we have. I just think that it's something to be said about them shutting me down and not allowing me the only black woman that was slated to speak period who'd actually had an abortion, who does this work for a living and can and bring not only my lived experience, but I was also able to bring my professional experience to the hearing. They weren't interested in that. And unfortunately, there's no way for me to separate the impact of white privilege and supremacy on the lives of black bodies or any other bodies in this state of folks who are vulnerable and who are trying to have children constantly marginalized because of not having a- access to health care. I've got to be able to lift up right now our children that are being held in cages. A super majority in this state that isn't interested in making sure that folks who have health disparities can access health care, that's just not, you know, for black folks, that's for all of the folks, right? All of the people who need access. And for those of us who have jobs and, and are having to pay into the marketplace, we also deserve to be able to do that without making determinations about whether we're going to live or die based on the fact that the Tennessee state legislature didn't want to expand Medicaid. So I took the time to lift up these different issues that I thought exacerbated why folks needed to have abortions clearly wasn't something that they wanted to hear. I have no other message to give but that the Tennessee state legislature has fully failed Tennessee. I also am one of the founding members of Trust Black Women who organized in 2010 against anti-abortion billboards that were erected, all over the the country. And when they came to Memphis back in 2015, Sister Reach organized to get those billboards down. So I've been seeing Black women as this kind of figurehead for anti-abortion folks for quite some time. And here you have a Black woman to sit and talk and you don't want to listen. Right. Uh, and I wasn't right. just coming to just talk. I was coming to also offer recommendations. We center those voices. We center those, that, those experiences. We center those people as experts because only they can tell you what it is that their lived experiences actually look like on a day-to-day basis. And only they can give you opportunities and education and
0: information about how you better support. When you went in there, were mm-hmm. you expecting to get cut off? It almost seemed like you knew it was coming when Senator Mike Bell decided to cut you off. And he cut you off after not cutting off a guy who said that he could remember being born, but he cut you yeah. off. Were you expecting it? And what was your reaction when it started to happen? There out there was a possibility. I knew that there was a
1: possibility that I would be stopped. I timed my, um, you know, I timed myself. I'm going to get a chance to say it today. So I'm probably not going to rush as fast as I was going going to then. But I knew that I needed to time myself and make sure that I had enough Of the ten minutes to get it all out, I really was trying to time myself at like nine minutes and thirty seconds, uh, so that I could just in case I went over a little bit, you know, it would it would make up the difference in the ten. But I mean, I sat there for folks, especially the lawyer um, for the pro life movement that was working, you know, specifically with the the Tennessee uh, Judiciary Committee, uh, was given thirty minutes to present his argument. And then he was given another thirty minutes of questions to That's answer, correct. right? And then someone else, after him, was given twenty minutes. Somebody else was given fifteen minutes. And we sat through—I mean, the, we got through maybe three speakers before lunch, and all of them were for the pro, from the pro-life side of this argument. And I think it's also important to lift up the fact that we were supposed to have fourteen slots given uh, for folks who were coming to the on the other side of this argument to present our facts, to present our case. Um, to present the things that we thought were important for the judiciary committee to consider uh, around this this bill, uh, and not only were we not given all of those slots, we were then cut off, and we were, and especially after lunch, you know, was, uh, the chairman. Uh, made sure that he said, oh, now we want to, you know, we want to make sure that everybody stays on task and stays on time and we're going to cut you off if you, you know, if you go off time and if you mention anything, if you make any, if you blurb out, you know, we're going to remove you from, um, from the room. So there were folks who were removed for supporting, uh, you know, testimony that, that that made sense. Let's just be clear. Um, as well as I guess myself, what I was saying, I guess came across as something that he didn't want to hear. So he wanted to have me removed as well.
0: Well, uh, it was definitely mm-hmm. when it started. That mm-hmm. year, did you feel like they're going to grab me or, you know, cause they were pretty Ooh. overt about not touching you. They wouldn't, you know, they, they all got up and left instead of removing you. Uh, I think they knew the yeah. optics of that were not going to be good. And the other question I would have is, you know, they always say that we cry racism about everything, but you were very clearly the only black woman to speak throughout this entire process and the only person Mm -hmm. to get cut off. The optics of that on its face are not good at all. So what role did you feel like your race was playing in what was happening?
1: Um, So to the first piece around like being touched, um, the Sergeant at Arms did grab my phone. I took it out of his hand and told him not to touch my things. Um, He he did. He then stood back arms that was to my left. Um, I was told now, and I was told by a colleague who was in the uh, in the hearing room that it was actually Senator Kerry who told them not to touch me. So I think that he was very clear about the optics of what was happening and how um, terrible you know, how racist it would look for me to be removed, especially since I wasn't doing anything wrong. I hadn't gone over my time. I wasn't being combative on any level. Um, and so then, you know, so so there was an attempt to move me, remove me. And then there was, I think, a thought process that that wasn't going to be a good idea. And so they didn't move me. It was nothing that myself or any of my colleagues did, to my knowledge. But I was told that it was Senator Kerry who, who motioned for them not to touch me. Maybe that was incorrect. Maybe it was someone else. I couldn't see um, I wasn't necessarily focused on the whole panel. I was really looking at uh, Chairman Bell uh, and wanted to make sure that I was making eye contact and addressing him very specifically since he was saying that I was off off topic and I wasn't off topic. He said that what I had to say didn't have anything to do with the with the bill, but it had everything to do with the bill. Right. I, and so I think, it, you know, it, was I supposed to come and have a packaged uh, testimony, uh, you know, the way that they wanted me to speak, you know, I don't think that you, so you're going to control what we say. You want to control, you know, how long, what we're going to say before we get there. And then when we get there, you want to control what we're going to say as well. And if we don't do it in the way that you think is the best way to do it, then you're going to cut us off.
0: So I knew that there was a possibility that I could be cut off. Well, and I think, Uh, sorry, Go ahead. I was just going to say, I I think what they don't let in and the mm -hmm. point that the macro point that you're making, which is spot on is that the policies that they oppose are pro-life policies. And if they really want to stop unplanned pregnancies, and if they really want fewer abortions, they need to pay people a living wage because the majority of the time, these are financial decisions women are making. They need to help women with paid parental leave and make sure that they have the time to take care of these children. They need to expand Medicaid, which covers pregnancies. And one of the reasons we're at the bottom in infant mortality rates. Come so on. So you're, you're talking about pro-life policies mm-hmm. and they want to limit it to just banning abortions mm-hmm. which mm-hmm. is actually not going to stop abortions because we've already oh. seen that all that does is drive women underground and the burden falls on low-income women more than anything else. And then the other thing that you hit on, which I think was great that you hit on, was a bill that Senator Jack Johnson carried, who is my senator, mm-hmm. which mm-hmm. said that high school's, cannot talk about sex education. They can't talk about birth control. And so mm-hmm. what that does is it keeps children uninformed That's about right. what it means to have sex, and it leads to more unplanned pregnancies. That's so right. all of the things you were talking about are very germane to the issue at hand at that committee. And Absolutely. It's their unwillingness to see that that mm-hmm. keeps Tennessee in the, in the past, in the dark ages and keeps mm-hmm. moving forward on a majority of these pro-life legislation. So, and, and I, it will
1: continue to, to, you know, women will continue to become pregnant. Women will continue to not be able to control their fertility and understand their ovulation. Young people are going to continue to have sex. You know, people are still being raped, molested in this city and in this state. Um, nothing has changed as far as the, the environmental conditions that inform People's ability to be parents or not be parents, have babies or not have babies, you know those things matter. And then I also do want to address the the, the race comment that you asked as well. Uh, absolutely, it was racist. I think that, and I think that what really shows how this potentially impacted or fell on the on the committee, you know, especially the conservative committee members, is that a black woman was sitting there chastising them for their failure to make sure that they do their jobs. And then a black woman was calling them in on their Christianity because they continue to do things that are antithetical to Christ and, and the mission of Christ, what Christ came to this world to do for those of us who are believers. And then I also wanted to be very inclusive of those who do not have a faith belief, right? Because we are talking about, we are, we are quickly seeing an entire country be governed under a religious preference that does not belong to all of Amer- all of the Americans that we have on American soil. That's not fair. So are we, so this is becoming a dictatorship. the hobby lobby case and, and religious freedom bill, that's, this is becoming a dictatorship. This is not becoming a, a, a country that allows folks free will. This is not becoming a country that, that is supposed to be a democracy. Right. So so either we are intentional about making sure that every American is going to get access to their human rights or we're not. Uh, And then here comes the comments then of Senator Kerry Roberts about higher education, where I am concerned. So basically what you're saying is you want folks to be dumb. You want people to stay ignorant so that they won't hold you accountable and so that you are free to do whatever you want and feed folks whatever foolishness you want to feed them because you know that they will not have the intellectual wherewithal to push back and hold you accountable. So that's based, So you, you would rather get rid of institutions of higher education and it was not a joke. I think it absolutely showed the intention not only of him, but his party members, uh, especially those who have participated very unapologetically and, and even those who are not in his party because we understand there's some Democrats uh, at least one in particular that we know supports the same legislation. Uh, so for those that have voted conservatively on both sides of the aisle, you know, th- this shows that, you know, you're not, you're only, you know, siloed and focused on this one thing. You're not really making sure that folks' full human rights can be accessed in the state of Tennessee. Uh, and so, I, so, you know, I think that, so not only was it racist, it was classist, um, it was sexist, it was so many other things. There was so many isms that was connected to that. Uh, but it absolutely, no, they did not want to be checked by a black person. They did not want to be checked by a black woman, especially since you've been able to 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 effectively train your people to believe that I don't care about myself and I don't care about my baby and I don't care about my community. And as long as you can keep that going will be, then means that you, you'll never, there's never going to be an opportunity for white Tennesseans to believe that they have something in common with black Tennesseans. Right for Latinx Tennesseans to think that they have something in common with A- Asian or Pacific Islander Tennesseans, as long as you can keep us separate, as long as you can make sure that we, you know, that we are polarized around these issues, then there's never an opportunity for for reconciliation or any level of repair. There's never an opportunity for us to figure out how we come together and work. Towards making sure that folks not only can, can can understand and space their pregnancies, but they can make sound, healthy decisions, and and and, and not only about themselves, but for their families and for their communities. So mm-hmm. yeah, he's like,
0: his, his "You're nailing it right there." And uh, you know that's that's the issue. It's not about party. It's about you know the people of means who benefit mm-hmm. from the status quo wanting to keep. Uh, races divided so that they can keep Mm -hmm. taking advantage of them. It's not when they talk about freedom, it's about the freedom to exploit. And I think uh, blurring the lines, the racial lines is their biggest fear. So I think you hit on it there. And then you also hit on an important point, which is, you know, you spoke to them on matters of faith and they feel like Mm -hmm. they're the experts when it comes to exactly Nobody can talk to them. (laughs) You know, even though what's very clear to anybody who has actually sat down and read the Bible is that that's not a book. About banning abortion and telling gay people right. what to do with their lives. It's a book about taking care of the poor, taking care of the stranger, taking care of your neighbor, loving each other as God made you. And that's right. if the only lesson you took away from that Bible is I need to make sure that gay people don't have rights and that nobody has abortions, you weren't reading close enough. That's
1: right. That's and, and, right.
0: And that's the message that I think Democrats shy away from in general mm-hmm. too much is you know not meeting people where they are in matters of faith. Talking about separation of church and faith only. But we also need to remember that this is a faithful nation. It's a faithful Mm -hmm. state, especially. And we need Mm -hmm. to be able to talk to people directly about that stuff. So I'm I'm glad that you're doing that. Uh, Mm -hmm. Let's let's talk now about, and then pretty soon here, I want to give you a chance to read your speech, but let's talk about the Kerry Roberts thing for one minute. Mm. Uh, He was on his radio show. We got a tip from somebody in his district saying that he said this thing, and I went back and watched the whole thing, and it was so clear to me that you had triggered him so hard that we wanted to make a video to really give it the glory by intercutting your speech with what he was saying and how angry, frothing at the mouth he was. And that moment where he talked about how, you know, they don't care that you're black, but here you are talking to a bunch of white people completely dismissing Katrina Robinson, who was also on the panel. Exactly. And, and, you know, that's an erasure right there if I've ever seen one. And, 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 you know, what's very clear is that he was, you know, he felt like he had authority over you to not allow Mm talk to him that way. And it wasn't mm. a joke. It wasn't mm. hyperbole. And we've now seen I don't know if you saw, but we just posted a video by Senator Mark Pody, when he was running against Mary Alice Carthy, he said the same thing. So this is something wow. that they, they see, you know, mm-hmm. universities as places where people learn to believe things they don't believe in. And so they want to do away with those things, rather mm-hmm. than address those things. And, you know, what they're basically saying is the more people learn, the more they disagree with me, and we can't have that. Mm. So, you know, when you watch that video, just tell me your thoughts when you were watching that video that we sent you. First of all,
1: um, (laughs) I was I was on a call and one of my staff came to let me know that the video even existed. There was a woman who had called our office to make sure that we'd seen it because we hadn't seen it. Um, I was excited. Right. Because I think for me. Uh, especially as someone who's had to live post the experience that I had at the crisis pregnancy center, for me, I felt like I, I felt very justified because I was like, "See, I'm not even having to say it. You can see it for your with your own eyes. That this is not about my body. This is not about saving my baby. This is not about making sure that uh, that I do my best. This is about someone's ego. This is about the fact that let's let's talk about race. Let's just talk about the culture." of race dynamics here in the in the deep south. Um, and the fact that more than more, you know, and these have been my experiences with colleagues, it's been my experiences in uh dealing with the public health community. These have been my experience, you know, where white folks just don't want black folks to say anything. Because it's to to many white people, and I understand it's not all, but to many white people, I am yet inferior to them, right? And that the black race is an inferior race. Uh, and and for any race that is not the white race we're supposed to all just be inferior to the white race but that's that's just not true right uh, so i mean i was you know i felt very validated in what i said in my comments and even though i was cut off in the in the sound bites that folks were able to get in that 5 minutes and 26 seconds uh i felt very justified um and and i and i also felt very um sad for for senator roberts because i recognized that um, he has fully drunk all the kool-aid of of what it is that their party believes first of all about the democratic party uh and or should I say con- what conservatives feel about progressives uh not you know we're not a monolith either we all have different understandings and belief systems many of us are are, are people of faith uh, many of us um you know, we we have difference of opinions around abortion, around birth, around pregnancy, around sex, around the economy, around all all sorts of things, right? And so, uh, so to just kind of lump folks in a box was is is very interesting, you know. Um, so, I, so I thought that was something to to consider. I also thought it was you know interesting that. Um, you know, he's like, oh, she's, you know, she's throwing the, this liberal lexicon. Let me just be clear. Nobody is sitting around trying to figure out liberal jargon uh, to, to push any agenda, or at least not, not me, not Black women, the, you know, not the folks that I work with in the reproductive justice movement. We are really bringing our lived experiences. We bring the very real experiences of the people that we serve in the community on a day-to-day basis. And Sister Reach is not the only organization run by a Black woman that services more than Black people. Uh, you know, that that advocates for more than Black people. You know we are uh, there aren't that many reproductive justice organizations in the country, but for those of us who who have organizations, we recognize that we don't even have the luxury of just only fighting for ourselves many times. And so, uh, you know, so he was he was off. Right there's no liberal lexicon. I, nobody you know poured some type of. You know, words into my head. Give me credit for being educated enough about my body, my situation, in the field of practice. You know that I am an expert, uh, and and allow me
0: to just give you the real facts. He didn't want to hear them. They never see
1: our facts.
0: He sees you speak in your mind, and he thinks, oh, she's been programmed.
1: Yeah, well, that's the whole. But that's what they said about Planned Parenthood, right? Oh, that Planned Parenthood has, you know, um, uh, bamboozled the black community into having abortions. But Planned Parenthood isn't standing on the corner offering out abortions. Women are asking for them, and let's be very clear: even back during the days of Margaret Sanger, when birth, when, when. Planned Parenthood's whole mission was about birth control. Black women begged Margaret Sanger to make sure that we had the same type of access to birth control that white women had because we were moving from the South to the North, yet having the same sexual practices that we'd always had uh, in the in the culture of breeding that we and this is how we were, this is how we've been engaged in, in American society. We were brought here to breed and we were brought here to labor. And no one has checked that behavior from African slavery until this moment. And yet they're there. But, but to also recognize that and to honor that is to also be able to honor the the history of white supremacy and its impact on the ways that we are having sex and having children and having abortions and, the, and all of those other things that folks kind of want to lay at the feet of black women or at the feet of low income folks uh, and, and people who can have birth in our state. We've got to be able to, to be able to connect these historical dots. And that's something that I also wanted to make sure that I lifted up in my testimony, although I was cut up, uh, cut off. So, you know, so that that to me, you know, is, is a farce. And, um, and I wanted to continue to lift up that hypocrisy.
0: Well, I'm glad you did. Uh, I think on that note, that's a good note to move into your speech. Uh, okay. I appreciate the passion with which you're speaking about these things. I will say as a last note, because what I want to mm-hmm. do here is I just want to turn this broadcast over to you. I'm going to take okay. my out of it so you can give your speech. But awesome. uh, as a last thing, I do want to say, I know abortion is a really difficult topic and there are people who are pro-life who are mm-hmm. Democrats and there are people who are pro-life who are close to me. And when I have, conversations with them about this. I think one of the things that we need to carry with us is that they're not all doing this just to piss us off. Just like we're not doing this to piss them off. There are people who no. do believe these things. We need to carry that with us and respect where they're coming from. Even if we disagree, Absolutely. it's a difficult, fraught topic. And we can have a discussion about this in a respectful way without, without mm-hmm. disagreeing. But at the same time, if they're going to bury their heads in the sand about the root causes of what's going mm-hmm. on here, then they're going to put us in a spot where, you know, you need to do things like you did. And it wasn't just to get a viral video like Kerry Roberts did, mm-hmm. actually actually <laughs> your mind. Uh, so I want to let you speak your mind here. I'm going to do the thing I usually do at the end of the broadcast right now. I'm just going okay. to say, make sure you follow the Holler on Twitter, Tennessee Holler, at the TN Holler on Twitter and Facebook, and go to our website, thetnholler.com. And so I'm going to give you the final word here. I'm gonna. I'm gonna take myself out of it. I want you to give your speech, Aww. and then we're gonna end the broadcast. All right, Cherise.
1: Thank you, Justin. And I want to say before you leave, I really appreciate what you've done, and I appreciate you giving me an opportunity to do uh, what the Senate Judiciary Committee did not do, which was allow me to say everything that I needed to say. So I
0: appreciate that. Well, I look forward to hearing. That. I look forward to hearing awesome. All. Thank you.
1: All righty. Hello, and thank you for having me today. My name is Cherise Scott, and I am the founder and CEO of Sister Reach. I am also a woman of Christian faith, a mother and a servant to God's people. For almost eight years, our nonprofit grassroots organization has been working to support the sacred self-determination and the reproductive autonomy of women and teens of color, poor and rural women, LGBTQ people, and their families through the framework of reproductive justice. The framework was created to center the Black women around sexual health, including the right to stand autonomy. Reproductive justice emancipates vulnerable populations from all forms of reproductive and sexual oppression. To be inclusive of the myriad other issues that preclude women and people who give birth from achieving reproductive and sexual autonomy. That said, I'm not here to testify about abortion access in a vacuum. Because doing so dishonors the lived experiences of vulnerable people who can give birth in our state, the social and economic disparities which inform their daily choices of all kinds, including their reproductive health choices, and most importantly, the outright and intentional abandonment by the Tennessee state legislature of these vulnerable people who happen to comprise all races, classes, religions, socioeconomic statuses, and those who do not profess any faith. I am here to testify on behalf of all of them, the thousands of vulnerable people in Tennessee who would be hurt by Senate Bill 1236, as it for many is the final straw in a political pattern of vile, racist, un-American, and un-Christian legislation that has come from the majority of this body's leadership. The state of Tennessee's reproductive health disparities lay at your feet, not those of us who support women's sacred self-determination. Your consistent and intentional objection of withholding life-saving, sexual behavior changing, comprehensive reproductive and sexual health education from youth and college students by mandating abstinence-based education is why our sexually transmitted infections and unintended pregnancy statistics rival national averages. Your intentional and uncompromising objection to expanding Medicaid in a state where more than half of its people have dire health disparities is irresponsible. And three years after you have gotten the leadership in the White House that the majority of this legislature desired, you still have not put forth a plan of action to ensure health care that would save our lives and help us make more comprehensive decisions about our pregnancies. You have denied us the opportunity for every member of our families to live and then claim to be pro-life. You have cherry-picked the parts of this state that would expand its behavioral and mental health services and then race to put sick people who struggle with substance use disorder in prison and take away their children, all while claiming to care about babies and families. You stood in your righteous indignation and watched undocumented families be destroyed by ICE in this state. You have dismantled their families in the name of democracy. You have ambiguously offered undocumented women birth control methods to hinder them from having more children. You have denied hardworking families the opportunity at a living wage, yet hold them responsible through legislation that punitively disciplines them for their rage or their inability to be present to raise their children. No one can raise children properly when they have to work three jobs to provide a 40 hour work week of pay. You have targeted people because of their sexual orientation with vitriol and hate. Your political track record shows no more, no mercy or compassion for them or their lives and judgment is not yours to hold over their souls. Yet you have stepped out of your mortal positions and have wedged your fear, hatred and misinterpretation of biblical text over their lives and families as if you are God and as if you have a heaven or hell to place them in. You have denied us comprehensive education reform, oversaturated our boards of education with mandates for better testing scores, disempowered and underpaid our teachers, supported the privatizations of our, with, of our schools with no check and balances to ensure quality education, then are angered when you see 20-year-olds on the welfare system. You weren't concerned with whether or not they could read or count, only if they could test well to shore up your education benefit funding. Many of them are underemployable because they never received fundamental education to navigate the workforce, yet you expect them to understand their sexual and reproductive health. Meanwhile, the only environment you've created among these instances is one that would lead Tennesseans to need abortions, undercare or or neglect their children, regardless of whether or not they want to be uh, parents or not. Which brings us to why we are here today. In a state full of people who, without God's help and mercy, have nothing to look forward to but being a permanent underclass. Yet somehow you expect them to be assets to our society and not liabilities, and shame them when they cannot achieve the unachievable bar you have set with your harmful policy making. And if this was not heartbreaking enough, you wield your political power in Jesus' name. Many of you who claim to be conservative and Christian have weaponized the word of God to forward your political agendas and maintain power over the most vulnerable Tennesseans. You have manipulated biblical scripture to align with your colonialist supremacist ideologies instead of showing mercy and using the power of your political party to liberate each of us, which is and was that actual. However, my Bible teaches me that Jesus came that we might have life and have that life more abundantly. Who is the Tennessee State Legislature to stand between me and my opportunity at an abundant life or my sacred ability to be self determining? And what makes this legislature so prideful and arrogant that you've wedged your own will between that of my own and God's? What makes you believe God has endowed your sinful flesh with that authority? Are any of us holier than God? Last I checked, all of us who believe, and that includes people who have abortions, are to work out our own soul salvation. Even God honored the self determination and is throughout scripture did not allow did, did not God allow in first kings 3 16 through 27 the potential killing of a baby to train one of his beloved leaders on how to wield fair justice and to sue the grieving mother who also happened to be a prostitute the value of honoring another woman's ability to parent even though they broke they both were the outcasts of society Did he not place King Solomon in a position to administrate justice to the prostituting mothers, even though killing the baby was the way he proposed to offer that justice? King Solomon's job, much like this legislature, was to offer justice to these women, not make or mandate their decisions for them. He could have offered death to the mother for killing her newborn baby, mistake or not. And yet we see King Solomon do what I've not seen this legislature do honor the mother's humanity, honor the women's self-determination by allowing them to make the decision on killing the remaining newborn child. This was God-ordained justice. We all know there is no scripture that uses abortion terminology, yet the text demonstrates countless opportunities where God condoned the death of vulnerable babies to chastise disobedience, correct behavior, heal broken hearts, or even usher in liberation. What more was the death of King David and Bathsheba's baby if it were not a God-ordained abortion to chastise David's sinful and gluttonous behavior with Bathsheba, that's 2 Samuel 12, 1 through 24. We have politicized the abortion debate long enough on the back of our risen Savior, whose own vulnerable life was aborted so that we might have access to God and eternal life. The definition of abortion is the termination of life, whether it be a fetus or a living and breathing human being. I sit here before you, a living testimony of what an empowered and educated individual looks like when given the tools to make comprehensive choices about my life and reproductive health. I've had three abortions in my lifetime, and the only thing that changed my sexual behavior was the compassion of an individual who showed me my ignorance, challenged me to change my sexual behavior through comprehensive sex education, and walked me through that process until I got it good enough that I could teach others about their bodies. That was the compassionate action of one individual. What more could this legislature do for a state full of people who do not understand their sexual and reproductive health? My Bible teaches me in Hosea 4 and 6 that we die due to a lack of knowledge. The heartbreak is that Tennessee abortion rates could be much lower if this legislative body would not stand as a barrier to the very education I received. Instead, Tennessee has taken shortcuts by pushing long-acting reversible contraception on vulnerable women and girls, whether they be citizens, undocumented, or incarcerated. Yet our rates of sexually transmitted infections like chlamydia and gonorrhea and HIV almost triple the national average among youth and adults. Instead, Tennessee has chosen eugenics over healthcare access, which includes comprehensive sexuality education and all methods of birth control. Your political actions have exacerbated these issues and you must take responsibility for it now allow me to call you in and offer you an opportunity to repent for the ways you have perverted your role as politicians. The politician is not God. And John thirteen sixteen says that no servant is greater than its master, nor its messenger greater than the one that has sent him. Your constituents are the people who made your jobs possible. So as Philippians 2, 3, and 4 states, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. You have a mandate to love your neighbor and offer them every opportunity at an abundant life. And make no mistake, I am a firm believer that people ought to take responsibility for their actions, but you cannot expect anyone to take responsibility for something they don't know, don't have access to, or are not stakeholders in, or more importantly, don't trust you enough to believe you care about their lives. Black women in particular will be harmed and criminalized by this law, though our sexual behavior has never been corrected since slavery. We were brought to this country to breed and labor. We continue that pattern of birthing our children to this day. And history has already shown us what Black mothers will do if we do not have access to safe and legal abortion, birth control methods, health care, or a society that supports us. It is irresponsible of this legislature to push vulnerable women and girls back into unsafe abortions. Your job like King Solomon's is to create a just society where all can flourish and not make decisions out of trauma, lack, poverty, danger, or fear. A wise preacher named Reverend E. Dewey Smith once said, you cannot antagonize and evangelize at the same time. If you want the state of abortions to decrease, it will take a concerted effort from this legislature working with, not against medical providers like Planned Parenthood and the myriad of myriad of advocates like Sister Reach who have been on the front line trying to correct the public health wrongs of this legislative body. Isaiah 10one 1 and 2 states, woe to those who make unjust laws, to those who issue oppressive decrees to deprive the poor of their rights and withhold justice from the oppressed of my people. You have an opportunity to set a new precedent by righting the wrong of Senate Bill 1236 and to model for this country what justice looks like for the most vulnerable. I urge you to vote against this dangerous bill and work with us to change the cultural culture of sexual behavior in our state together. Thank you for your time. And that is my testimony in its entirety. And I appreciate uh, the opportunity to be able to say uh, the words that I felt inspired to say in, not only on behalf of myself, but behalf of every vulnerable Tennessean in, uh, uh, that are not only in this state, but for those who also um, depend on our state for health services of all kinds. Shout out to our friends at Planned Parenthood, Healthy and Free Tennessee, the ACLU, Choices, Knoxville Center for Reproductive Health, uh, and all of the advocates work so very hard on the front line to try to make sure that folks have access to reproductive and sexual health education that is comprehensive, that is in right relationship with public health standards. Uh, And I also urge you to support the work of Sister Reach. You can support our work at sisterreach.org. Press the donate button in order to support us. Uh, And we are happy to work with with you. We are happy to work with our our Republican uh, legislature and any other conservative who who believes that that, that we are, are, are trying to do anything other than achieve the same goal. Which is making sure that folks have access to their human rights and the education that will save their lives. Thank you so much, uh, Justin, and to the entire Tennessee Holler team, we'll see you next time. Have a wonderful day. Tennessee yeah. Tennessee
0: yeah. to Tennessee.